0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow forgotten American patriots, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the house on Thursday, June 25th. We are nearing the end of the month. We are nearing the end of our rope. We're nearing the end of the road. There's nowhere to turn. We cannot turn back. We cannot retreat. We cannot turn to the side. The only way forward is to punch through what is confronting us all today. Folks, it's about time we formulated a plan of action. I don't know what that plan of action is. I'm still groping in the dark, and I wanna collaborate together with you guys on our Facebook pages, our public page, her with Citizen Sanctuary, our private page, Miniman Easy. If you are not registered yet, you could request an invite. And let's work on this together. Because I think by now, anyone who has listened to this show for more than a couple weeks understands that what we are doing is not working. We need to think outside of the electoral process, or certainly, at least exclusively, outside the electoral process. In other words... This cannot just be about the next November, the next November. A lot of people are comparing what's going on now to 1968, where you had chaos and riots. But it's even worse than that. I think the riots are even more widespread. They're going undeterred back then. Even the Democrat cities, the police forces put them down pretty strongly. Here you have the opposite. The police are getting arrested every day. Our best men For doing their jobs, the few that are still willing to do it, they get arrested. Saw a couple of those cases in New York. We have the lockdown, which is getting worse and worse. We did a full show yesterday with Dr. Bostam, an epidemiologist. Just amazing insight. We now have a virus that even if it is spreading, qualitatively, it's now less than the flu. And yet, that is the new threshold to lockdown a society. To make people wear a diaper on their face. And then the one area where it is serious is because we re-imported it at, at our border. If we have time, we'll go through some of that new data. This is all occurring under President Trump. I'm sick of the excuses. What is the point in saying it's all about November? If the man is president now, what will change and and frankly, if you don't confront it, you won't get elected anyway. So this whole thing's a waste. See, in 1968, here's the big difference: Nixon was a challenger. He wasn't incumbent. LBJ was president. Democrats owned on their watch anarchy and violence and, and, and rioting. And Nixon drew a line in the sand. And drew a sharp contrast to give people a vision of what it is he would do that's in contrast to what LBJ was doing, and that appealed to the silent majority, the famous silent majority that wanted peace and order, even though they weren't loud and, and damaging things and you know, having the media promote them. In this case, Trump already is president now. That's the joke. So rather than being Nixon in 68, it's more like Jimmy Carter in 1980. This is what we need to realize. Haggai hey 1.6. And now, so said the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and you bring in little. You eat without being satiated. You drink without getting your fill. You dress and it has no warmth. And you profits profits into a bundle with holes. That is the Republican Party. That is the conservative movement. What we are doing is not working. Yesterday, the Republican Party spent the entire day focused on their version of police reform, their version of validating every false premise of a terrorist organization that is now exalted by the Republican Party, blood libels matter. At the same time... We had Senator McSally, Martha McSally of Arizona. She introduced legislation to incentivize Americans to take a vacation. It offers a tax credit up to four thousand for individuals, eight thousand for families, uh, for joint filers, plus an additional five hundred per dependent to um, to take a vacation. This is, I mean, Republicans today are to the left of Obama's second term. And, and, and here's the irony. She's getting crushed in the state of Arizona by this Kelly guy, Democrat, by double digits. She's going to lose anyway. Imagine if Arizonans had someone running strong on law, law and order, strong on the border, demonstrating how Yuma and Santa Cruz counties are getting overrun with COVID cases from the border. So we have the worst things going on all on their watch. When are we going to move from Haggai hey 1-6 to Isaiah Forty Two Sixteen? Now I will lead the blind on a road they did not know and paths they did not know. I will lead them. I will make darkness into light before them and crooked paths into straight ones. These things I will do to them and I will not forsake them. I mean, look, maybe the only answer is that this is the end of times and we wait for God's feet to be planted on the Mount of Olives and reveal himself. But until then, what is it we can do to bring light to the darkness? To open up a path for the blind that was unknown. Where is that path? And we're all struggling with this. What does an American revolution look like in this day and age? What does an American revolution look like? We know the French revolution, which is what the left is doing, the communists, the anarchists, the blood libels matter. It's an insurgency. But how do we, I mean, how do we do it without violence? Not, not that we even have violence on our side anyway. How do you have a civil war when you just have one side engaged? See, this is what's very tough. During the American Revolution, I understand you had the loyalists, but you didn't have the British officially occupying every major city with their troops. So you were able you know, to take back land through George Washington assembling a military. Here, the, the enemy is within. Every major city is being controlled by the left. Every single city. So it's not even like we have a single state where we could say we all retreat to Idaho or Wyoming. Even there, I, I mean, every city is taken over. We don't have a single state that is anywhere near as good as the blue states are bad. In fact, we're seeing the same anarchy in almost every red state, although there almost is no red state anymore because Republicans are so incompetent and turned off people and did the worst of all worlds. They're losing everything. They're losing Texas. They're losing in Arizona. They're losing in Georgia. They're losing everywhere. They're losing everywhere. At some point, you got to think beyond this. At some point, what we're doing is not working. At some point, it can't just be, oh, imagine if Democrats would get elected. Folks, what we are suffering from now, my brain couldn't have conjured up under my worst nightmare scenario under a Hillary Clinton presidency in 2016. I want to give you a flavor of what is going on and what is not being done by this president to solve it. Those of you who are old enough to remember those grisly images from 2004 in Fallujah where cars were being surrounded. The American contractors were ripped out of the cars, burnt alive. We now have lynchings on our streets. You go to some of these trucking forum websites and you're going to see we now have like truckers, not just in inner cities, but on interstate highways being shot at either surrounded by mobs. They block highways or being shot at and not like one bullet hole, like five to 10 of them. Wednesday night, a group of four males were attempting to pull truckers out of their cabins in Minneapolis. A trucker was reportedly driving on Bobby Jones expressway in Augusta, Georgia, Augusta, Georgia okay, this is not New York. This is not Chicago, A fully loaded tanker truck full of uh, oil came under sustained fire. We have similar stories of last couple of weeks, people driving on I-70 in Ohio, I-95 in Connecticut. The most uh, highly trafficked interstates in the country. Truck drivers reported at least two shootings on an interstate highway near Memphis. Notice how many red states are involved here. I mean, this is happening everywhere. Fleet of Angels. It's a horse transportation company. Um, they issued a safety advisory to all their horse transporters to basically, you know, change their plans and avoid certain areas, not travel at night. I I remember just a couple of years ago talking to a friend of mine who would go to Kurdistan and, and um, do humanitarian work for... Um, you know certain Catholic organizations for the Syrians and the Yazidis, and they t- and this was during the ISIS uh, insurgency when they were still controlling a good part of the areas close by. You know how they would travel with each person with an AK forty seven, and they had to make sure they had enough. This is America now. This is happening everywhere. People getting surrounded, and there's nothing and we're, we're sitting and debating whether they're going to defund the police, that, that's a straw man. They might get their salaries, but the police are de facto abolished. They're stepping back. Where is Trump? If there was ever a federal role, it would be to protect the interstate highways when states cannot or are unwilling to do so or are downright complicit in this stuff. They were blocking um, I-40 out of Raleigh yesterday. I mean, I'm sure you guys could, you know, discuss on our on our Facebook pages. Let's uh, collaborate. What are you seeing? But where is the president putting a bold message? Not some stupid rally. Hold a serious speech with law enforcement as your audience. Not a rally. Have it televised. And announce your 10-point plan. I put out a 10-point plan yesterday. On the legislative ideas, the executive plans you have, your messaging, and mean it. Mean it. He needs to federalize the National Guard. I mean, he could send in the the active-duty military too, but at at the very least, start at that level. Lean on, on, on the red state governors. At least with them, you should be able to really push them like hey, you have my full authority, I have your back, go all out, let let the police know you have their backs, have the state attorneys general, who are Republicans, have their backs. So, you know, keep the highways open at all costs. I would push federal mandatory minimums, federal crime. Again, we're federalizing, dismantling our society. You may, you may as well federalize being tough on crime federal crime to block an interstate highway or certain roads and make motorist lynchings a mandatory um life without parole I mean what is going on here even in Florida okay in Tampa a number of officers were injured when they were ambushed a car a police car was ambushed This is happening now. I don't want to hear about November. I don't give a damn about November. You know, Joe Biden might win. Yeah. Well, Joe Biden already won. At some point, you got to slay that idolatry. Slay the golden calf. Take the pacifier out of your mouth. Take the fentanyl heroin tube out of your arm. Feel the pain and face the reality. I'm sick of this. Think beyond the stupid electoral games. For now, everyone needs to get in the president's face. Anyone who has a platform or with your local Republican organization, say, we're done with this. We're off the plantation. I don't care anymore. The reason why I would have voted for a Republican, even when they're they're, they're as subversive as can be, is because I would have been scared of that. Look, they're going to spend us into oblivion. They're going to promote the homosexual agenda just like the left. They're going to have open borders just like the left. But there's a certain degree of street anarchy that I'm scared about that if the Democrats ever took over, it's going to happen. Guess what? It's happening on their watch. It's happening in states where Republicans control the government. It's happening at a federal level with Trump in charge. And he has all the authority to put this down in all 50 states. Whether you like it or not, the federal authority is ironclad with this degree of insurgency and insurrection. And again, it doesn't even use those terms. I mean, it does it use them also, but in statute, it uses just domestic violence. Why are we not pushing right to carry? Why are we not pushing this stuff? I just don't understand. On my 10-point plan from yesterday... Push funding for states that prosecute violent criminals. The exact opposite of what they're doing now. Have programs to give them more money to meet certain benchmarks for prosecuting repeat violent offenders or gun felons. Parole violators. Because those are the people responsible for all this. Defund states that are sanctuaries for criminals and anarchists. If they're not doing it, defund them. And, and, and this is the thing. We need, this is the big thing. We need a budget fight a budget fight in September where Trump says, I will not sign a budget without these elements. Okay. Oh, there's gonna be a government shutdown. Perfect time to have a government shutdown. We had a national shutdown. No one notices when a government shutdowns, they did notice when the private sector shut down, it destroyed our country. Trump should say, really? We shut down our economy for months and now a stupid partial federal shutdown is going to bother you. That's a way to draw attention and draw a battle line and have the swords cross and where people know headed into November what he believes. We will not, we will fund states that clamp down on lawlessness. We will defund those that are joining in with the lawlessness. I have a bunch of ideas. A real anti-lynching bill. You know, the, the, the anti-lynching bill they have but ironically, it means like a premeditated murder of a group that lynches someone. Okay. It's a maximum, not a min- minimum, mandatory minimum, maximum of 10 years. Now, it's federal tacked on to whatever state murder charges, but still, I would make it, even if it's not premeditated, if, if it's spontaneous and they just lynch someone, this group violence that we're seeing, which is mainly black on white, almost exclusively black on white. But again, you know, Justice is colorblind; it doesn't matter who it is. And I'd make it mandatory life without parole for bodily injury, and death penalty for a lynching that results in a death. And a federal anti-gang gang bill, close some of the court loopholes that let off violent criminals. I go through all this; could read the piece. Obviously, federalizing the National Guard to protect interstates and property. Prosecuting Antifa and BLM, violent organizers and financers under anti-terrorism statutes and um, seditious conspiracy statutes. Reimbursing business owners for property damage. National right to carry. This speaks to the victims. The silent majority. Business owners. Why aren't they appealing to them? What is wrong with them? If anything, they might vote for change. A lot of these people might vote Democrat by default. Because this is happening under Trump. And we're seeing that in the polling. He's losing Texas. We need to think much bigger than what we're doing now. Much, much bigger. So that's where we are with that. I want to get back to the virus stuff and the lockdown. There's more and more evidence now that basically what we've been saying all along, that this is not any one state, it's pretty much happening in every state, that. There's a little bit more of a community spread in the areas where the virus didn't initially hit, just because no matter what you do, you got to achieve a certain threshold of herd immunity, which is not 70, 80%. It's more like 15, 20%, um, which we're well on our way to getting. Um, The cases are younger, the cases are milder. Most of what you're seeing is just universal testing and accounting gimmicks um, with the hospitalizations. Some of it is just younger people that are now realize they have COVID because they have the ability to get a test. And most are asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic, but the ones that have like flu-like symptoms are very scared. They would never normally come to a hospital. So they do. So they put them under observation, but it's not a real hospitalization. It's just because it's unique times. How many are coming because they literally cannot breathe? I am not really seeing much of that. Let me give you a sense of what we're seeing here. Of what we're seeing This is from the Business Journal in Tennessee. It's quoting a hospital official who says he's happy to learn June 19th that a significant amount of the 200 either entered the hospital for another reason but happened to have an asymptomatic case of COVID-19. Most hospitals are now testing every patient or have recovered from the virus but are being held until their nursing home lets them back in. He said more than 30 people fall into the latter category and he hasn't received a concrete number for the former category. McCullers, an advisor for Shelby County, Mayor Lee Harris and Memphis Mayor Jim Strickland on the pandemic said the above hospital trends make him not overly concerned with the country's steadily rising case counts. As he told the Memphis Business Journal, June 8th, he's trying to focus on keeping older um, Memphians safe since they're the ones most at risk of death. So that's another factor, by the way, where you have the older ones that are there. They, 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 you know, it's from before. It's from a couple of weeks ago. They've been in hospital for a while. But they're not leaving the hospital. So you have a backlog um, because nursing homes rightfully are very leery about accepting them. So it's just, it's just it, it, that, that's a logistical problem. Um, but it is not a you know a surge problem. But as I've noted, there is one area that I am very concerned about. And the media is literally just glossing over this. And that is the border. That is the border. Kyle Lamb, we had him on the show last Friday, put out a great chart. Um, you could go to his Twitter account and just look, you know, search his media, and you could see his different charts. He had um, a map, and he created an index of all U.S. counties through June twenty third. Their cases, their destiny, an index showing the case rise for the last 21 days. And what you're going to find in the color-coded map is it's all at the border. Now, there's places throughout the country that are random. Those are mainly rural counties that have prisons. So they had very few cases to begin with. And if you test bomb a prison there, well, it even though you know it's not at large within the county, but it's technically counted towards the county. But the main point is you're seeing it at the border. Okay? of current ICU um, facilities are now at, in just two states, Arizona and California. Okay, but there's parts of Texas that are filling up. The ICUs in Laredo are filling up. Laredo is on the border. Okay, that's the dirty little secret here that we're not hearing about. Then we also have in other states where I'm worried that it's not just the people with documentation coming over the border and very sick to infect the Mexica- the hospitals on our side of the border, but that you have just the general illegal immigrants, the gotaways that run through our border and are going for picking season that began in May and June, and they're bringing it in now, so far, they don't appear to be the severe ones we're seeing at the border. But you got to wonder, Florida, now 45% of known cases are Hispanic. Okay, that's that's about twice the share of their population. Arizona, it's 46%. North Carolina, it's 46%. Even though in North Carolina, they're just 9.6% of the population. They're 18.9% of the cases in South Carolina. They're just 5.8% of the population. I don't have archived data I could pull on. I'm working on this. But I remember if you look earlier in the epidemic, blacks had the highest rate, then Hispanics, then whites, then Asians. Now it appears that Hispanics have surged above that. It's very hard to believe that's, A genetic thing because that's pretty that should be a static factor that tells me it's a geographical thing and 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 here's the key thing google u.s covid deaths and then mexico covid deaths you could see google's charts google has the the charts and you'll see america you know really surged in late march and april and then went down mexico had its surge in may and it's still bad that's when they started coming over the timing is perfect we reintroduced in our country uh, the, the, the first more severe wave of another country. I have an article out today where I extrapolate on this Penn State bombshell study that the, known number, that the number of cases that really existed in March in the U.S. was 87 times larger than the official count. The official count was 100,000 then. There were already 8.7 million. And they do it by state. And you see New York and New Jersey already had 9% infected. New York City was probably more. That's statewide, by the way. And most states were above 1%. And what, what 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 we've learned, CDC said this years ago about the flu, mitigation efforts no longer work once you surpass 1% prevalence. And then we've been saying over and over again, lockdowns don't work. Human mitigation has, is very limited. There's just one thing that you could do that will matter. How much cake is baked? How much do you initiate in your country? You, you could close your border. That you can do. And how early you do will determine how much you let in. We now know we had an endless amount coming in January, February, and March. And really in December as well. That cake was baked. Once you initiate your epidemiological curve, it's going to run its curve. It's going to run its course. That's what's clear. The one thing you can do is to prevent re-importing another country's epidemiological curve. Again, it's not that Mexico is necessarily worse than America. Right? They're just getting it later, after we've already recovered. So you want to be careful you don't re-import that. That's exactly what we did in May. And we're seeing the results now. This is the biggest national scandal around. And again, another thing you see is that it matters how much you initially brought in. All the states that did good, you look at this Penn State study, California, Texas, Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, they all had almost nothing at the time. Now, it's two sides of a coin. That's why they're going to have a little bit more now, but qualitatively, it's not. It's, that's a flattened curve. It's not a severe curve. It, it, it's, that, that is what a flattened curve looks like. It's going to be drawn out longer. But I think we'd all rather have what Florida is experiencing than what New York experienced. Because they had a tremendous amount that was brought in initially. It's the same thing we're seeing in most other countries. Israel, Iceland, Norway, Denmark. They either shut off travel or, early or they're kind of just small obscure countries that don't have that much travel from China as the U.S. and some of the bigger European countries did. So they didn't let in that much. So, you know, they didn't have the problem. The viral loads were lower. That explains Sweden, too. Sweden has more immigration. Stockholm's more of an episode, more of a metropolitan area than, than Copenhagen or Helsinki or Oslo or Reykjavik. That's for sure. So they let in more. So once they they had a bigger initiation, but th- that had nothing to do with what they did. Once they reacted... It was going to run its course. They had a very good result per what they let in. So there's a lot of fascinating observations. It's it's a long article I have out today. Also, um, our buddy Dr. Boston from yesterday has a guest column on herd immunity and how we're going to achieve it much less than people think at a much lower threshold. That's there as well. But folks, why are we seeing this? Why are we seeing all these observations about the border. Why are we seeing all these spikes in ICUs at the border? Well, I got news for you. I'm going to read to you a memo sent to me, a private memo from someone who is part of the Office of Field Operations, OFO. Those are the customs officials that run the ports of entry at the border, they also run the airports as well. And he told me that basically, here, let's see where to start reading. Here, presently, travelers coming from Mexico are still not being medically screened at the Hidalgo, Texas, port of entry, and Zaldua's port of entry, and the Far port of entry. These are all in the Texas Rio Grande Valley. Management and CBP did not formally notify all CBP personnel assigned to the aforementioned ports that a CBP tested positive um, for officer tested positive for COVID. Um. And basically he talks about, look at this on the evening of June 19th at the Hidalgo, Texas port of entry, two female travelers applying for entry coming from Mexico on foot. One subject claiming respiratory problems and the other requesting a humanitarian waiver were able to physically arrive to the primary area with no medical screening. These travelers were a mother and daughter companionship. The daughter had proof of U.S. citizenship while the mother had no form of legal documentation, AKA an anchor baby and primary Queries using a law enforcement database for the mother revealed an active warrant for her arrest out of Dallas, Texas area by another law enforcement agency. After coming in contact with several CBP officers, these two subjects were both eventually medically screened since the daughter was requesting medical attention due to her respiratory problem. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's the only reason why that happened. As a result, she tested positive for covid hours later. Within 24 hours, management decided to sanitize the whole pedestrian area of that port. And immigration offices and lobby, the area where the mother and daughter were taken after applying for entry at the primary station. Once again, management failed to immediately f- formally notify all CBP officers that two travelers tested positive for COVID-19, allowing some CBP officers involved in this incident to go to their home, not knowing that they were exposed to someone with COVID-19. CBP does not provide any COVID-19 testing for their personnel, but they do provide a child care service, babysitting a service. CBP officers that have been exposed to a coworker or traveler that has tested positive for COVID must get tested by their own means with no formal help or assistance from the agency itself. Okay. Hundreds of Mexican tourists with border crossing cards are permitted to cross daily to donate plasma and blood to local blood blood banks located in Hidalgo, McAllen and Palmview, Texas, according to the blood bank companies whose travelers can donate blood two times a week. They are only allowed to cross twice a week to donate and not on consecutive days. There have been occasions when they have been permitted to cross on consecutive days because on the previous day they claim they had a high fever, meaning that the, that the blood bank must have screened them and they were not allowed to donate. So now they're and they were cuz they were ill and they likely freaking had covid. So now they're like, "Hey, now we're coming back cuz we couldn't do it." So that means that these travelers got screened at a private blood bank company in the interior, but not at the port of entry. Also, these travelers are not required to wear proper PPE upon entry, even as as the agents now have to sit in 100 degree weather with all this crazy stuff on them. So, folks. L- what's likely happening is so, again, the dual citizens and the green card holders, they're like, you know, we're like, hey, we're, we're having a travel ban. Um to, to stop COVID. And then they issue an exemption for all LPRs and all uh um citizens, and then an exemption for medical care. So you're not allowed to come unless you have COVID and you're coming for COVID treatment, then you're allowed to come. <laughs> and they let them over. Okay? They let them all over. Nobody is screened. But if you're an LPR citizen where you openly have COVID, then you're let in to go to the hospital and you're medevaced to the interior. If the border hospitals are overrun, which that has happened. You could Google this Reuters, New York Times, Washington Post, Kaiser Health. They all have this. Now they stop talking about it because now we see the devastating results. So then they don't they don't want people to connect it back to their reporting in May when Mexico started getting bad. So, that's where we are. But then even the ones that don't have proper documentation that come to the ports, they have this game, let's say they want to work, so they come every day and say they're a blood plasma donor, and that's how they get across, they get back and forth. Often the border crossing cards are good for 72 hours. So if you think about it, you could you could get in twice a, a week legally by saying you're a plasma donor. they're allowing you to donate plasma twice a week. The sick irony is they likely have COVID themselves. Let me read more from from this um, my source. Again, you're not going to hear this anywhere else. At the inception of the non-essential travel ban, CBP, oh, CBP officers have been told by management. That it is none of their business if the travelers are traveling for essential purposes and if they are wearing proper PPE. So that's the thing. We're not, they're, not, they're not scrutinizing them. I'm not going to mention the name of the next one because it's a very specific case. But there was someone that was considered a very uh, part of a high-ranking Mexican official that was allowed in um, against the travel ban. Hundreds of Mexicans cross daily claiming their travel is considered as trade and commerce because they simply provide a typed letter of employment with a fancy letterhead and a Mexican-made employment identification card. CBP officers have no have had no formal training about such Mexican documents other than the Mexican passport. Many Mexican tourists are using these methods as a loophole to gain entry into the U.S. during the COVID pandemic. CBP officers suspect many of these letters of employment and employment identification cards are fraudulent, but management continues to allow them to enter without proper vetting. As a result, traffic has increased drastically since the non-essential travel ban. So it's not just that every LPR and citizen is waved through, but even the ones that, Don't, they have the blood plasma subterfuge and then they just have fake ID, fake documents. Management has allowed some Mexican citizens to enter the U.S. with a humanitarian uh, waiver. It's called a 212D-4. These humanitarian waivers are granted to individuals that do not have legal or proper entry documents and have never had any issues with immigration officials nor any law enforcement agency in the U.S. Only immediate family members are allowed to petition for humanitarian humanitarian waivers. Unfortunately, these individuals have used This method is another loophole to enter the U.S. These humanitarian waivers are only granted for three days and no more. But recently, a female Mexican citizen traveling with a U.S. citizen requested a waiver for six months and was granted the waiver. She claimed no one was able to take care of her son that was medically recovering in the U.S. except her. but But yet she was traveling with a healthy adult female U.S. citizen who was sent by her son. Then there's the airports. Since the non-essential travel ban does not affect air travel, Mexican citizens have taken advantage of flying into McAllen via private airplane or commercial airplane. McAllen is a city located a few miles from the Hidalgo port of entry. There has been a recent increase in air travel since the Mexican citizens have discovered another loophole to enter the U.S. during the pandemic. Also, none of the passengers are medically screened or, are, or any medical staff present with are medically screened, nor are any medical staff present when international travelers arrive. And then he gives this. Remember, they stopped the anchor babies at the border? No. Management at the Hidalgo, Texas port of entry has not been implementing the new rule restricting travel by B1 or B2 visa holders for the sole purpose of giving birth to a child to obtain U.S. citizenship as amended in 22 CFR 4131 in January of 2020. During the non essential travel ban and prior to the non essential travel ban, management has allowed and continues to allow B1 or B2 visa holders, these are tourist visas, to make entry to give birth to a child even though it is not permitted by law. There you have it, folks. That is the other side of the story you will not hear. doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure out why we have this. This was always happening, but in in March and April, it wasn't a problem, because ironically, America was actually worse than Mexico. It had hit here. It didn't really start there that much. So, you know, it's a problem. You know, everything else we have with illegal immigration and just the, the problems, but... um, it wasn't a problem there. Beginning in May, it was a problem. That's why the border places were were totally fine. Because they, they didn't get much from the American epidemiological um, curve. And the Mexican one didn't start yet. Once the Mexican one started, it was game over. Hence what you're seeing. Again, a lot of what you're seeing in these states is the same you're seeing elsewhere where it's universal testing, it's it's um, hospitalized with COVID instead of because of COVID. But I'm saying, to the extent you are seeing some deaths in ICUs, they're at the border, and they are serious cases because Mexico is at its serious stage. The Brownsville health director, I don't have it in front of me now, but I tweeted it out last night, and it's in one of my articles. He had a, he had a great quote, and he said there's three rates, meaning rates of COVID. There's the American rate, the Mexican rate, and the border rate. And, and that really sums it up. That's what you're seeing here. It's subject to what is going on in Mexico. Again, who is president of the United States? It's not Joe Biden. I've had enough of this. We need to think longer and broader. And by the way, one other thing is, they're all bragging about apprehensions being down. Now, obviously they're down because they stopped at least, they stopped the asylum scam. So they no longer surrender. But you know what they're doing now? The morale of the Border Patrol is so low and the tactics and, you know, just like the police, the tactics that they could use are so limited. They stopped even reporting what's called the gotaways. I posted on Twitter a video of like 25 guys pouring over. My uh, friend in Border Patrol just sent me some more pictures as we're talking of people he's seen on the cameras and they're not even recorded. Again, this wasn't a problem in terms of covid in March and April, but it began to be a problem in May. Now we're at the end of June. Could it be even in places like South Carolina, North Carolina, Alabama, and Florida, where you have growing season and a lot of them are coming into work in those fields. Could it be that a big part of the spike even away from the border is because of that? That's something to think about. If you look at the ethnicity demographic data from the state dashboards, it certainly doesn't indicate that. Oh, but sure, we have to make sure Democrats aren't in charge, right? If you are still playing this R versus D game, I cannot help you. I'm sorry. If you have listened to this show for more than a few weeks and you're still onto that, I'm not saying, look, vote for who you want, but that's not the issue. The issue is to finally punch through this nonsense. To finally think longer and broader. Longer and broader. What is it we can do to save our country? We're going to keep up on all these beats. The anarchist beat. The border beat. The lockdown beat. Borders, gone. Culture, gone. Reverse Jim Crow. We don't even have bodily integrity. You have to wear a diaper on your face in the summer heat. Restrictions galore. Restrictions on liberty. Curfews in Mission, Texas. While illegals and dual citizens come over the border despite a travel ban. What we are doing is seriously not working. The good news is that these issues are so compelling and so easy to explain to people. The anarchists are so extreme that even with the fundamentally remade America, it's not like it was in 1968 it's not like it was in 2008 it's still not where the left is that opportunity to draw that bold contrast is more evident than ever it's there for the taking but we just got to come up with a strategy that will actually do it and i will tell you that strategy does not involve the republican party Folks, send me your comments, questions, concerns to dhurwitz at blazemedia.com. Sign up for our Facebook pages, tweet me at armconservative. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. Stay armed, stay protected, and stay knowledgeable.